Did something just pop? <laughs> all right, well, hopefully that's all the excitement for the day, right? If you're watching online, you missed the excitement in here. Something popped up over there, so if, uh, if it gets more exciting, we'll let you know. Um, well, if you're new with us today, this is how we do church here. There's <laughs> always a surprise, right? Uh, no, if you're new, if you're a guest with us, my name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're just glad to have you with us today. Uh, I actually just want to take a few moments just to share some of just with the life of our church. Many of you know that about 15 months ago, when life just really kind of changed almost overnight, one of the things we said as a church is, you know, who is it who we really are? And we said, you know, for as much as is changing, as much as we don't know, there are certain things about us that are always going to be true. And we really identified those with three things, connect, love, grow. I hope that sounds familiar to you. There is a, a fourth thing that we kind of left undefined, and that's worship. These are sort of four behaviors, four postures that define who we are. We are a people who believe that we gather together to worship God, whether that's in person, whether it's online, that, that on a regular basis, we humble ourselves and we come together not to focus on ourselves, but we're united together through Christ. In spite of our differences, we come together to worship him and him alone. Amen? But we also believe that we can't do this on our own. We have to stay connected to one another. We need one another to help us be the people that God has called us to be, which is why we were focused on connecting however we can do that. And we've had to do that in creative ways this last year. We're committed to growing in faith. We believe that God is not finished with any one of us. And so we want to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we also want to love. We want to find ways to love those around us. I just want to say over the last 15 months, I've been so, so proud of you and the many ways that we've done that as we've had to do it differently in formal ways. But as many of you have embraced this and found ways in your own lives to live these out, it's just been so wonderful to see that. You know, one of the things that we shared a few weeks back is that uh, we found some creative ways this last year to continue in partnerships and, and, and ministry with Central Valley School District. And they, they awarded us with a meritorious service award this last year. And we actually have the plaque. It came this week. So it's out there for you. And for those of you online, why don't you get a chance to see this as well. But um, just recognizing ways that we've continued to find to, to partner with our school district, to minister to those students who, who are around us, who are in need. So so thank you for your continued service there as well. I also just want you to know some of the, the ways coming up, some of the opportunities that we have. Pastor Billy mentioned some of this. We have ways to love others through crisis care kits. We have ways that we are seeking to grow together. We begin this week our, our 90 days of setting aside time to be with God. Time to read, time to reflect time to share, time to pray. We're going to be working through the Gospels. It's about one chapter a day, and uh, there's a Bible app as well, one chapter a day. Let me just mention one thing. If you start on Tuesday, the first, you're going to start in Matthew. Matthew chapter one is the genealogy. So there's a lot of good in that, but just hang in there. It's not the genealogy for all 90 days. So uh, we continue in that together. Also, I'm happy to share with you, coming up June 20th, we are planning for a baptism in our service time. 
We have some who've expressed interest in being baptized, and so we get to celebrate in this together. But if there's any others who are interested in baptism, please feel free to talk to myself or one of our other pastors. We'd love to have you join in with us uh, on that as well. We also have several Sunday school classes, adult Sunday school classes, that have already started, and another one getting ready to start as well. And so we have some information out there for you on that. If you're interested in being a part of one of those, we'd love to have you join us in that. We have a few fun things planned this summer. We'll keep you posted with that as it comes. But there's also some exciting things happening in our children's ministry. And so I'm going to invite Tanya to come and uh, share a little bit with us this morning. first one that we are going to be having in a lot of years. Um, I've been attending for almost 10 years, and I don't recall that we've had one in 10 years. So um, really pumped, really excited. Um, with that comes the need for a, some extra bodies um, to help. Um, our theme this year is treasured. It's going to be talking about um, and teaching our kids and our helpers about how priceless they are to God. And um, it's going to be Wednesday nights, so we're not going to be following your typical Monday through Friday VBS um, meeting format. Um, we've decided to break it down into a six-week um, Wednesday night format starting July 7th. Um, we'll go through uh, August 11th, and it'll be from 6 to 8. Um, and really, we're looking to promote this to the community, so I'm expecting a lot of kiddos um, to be arriving, showing up. You know, um, VBS is actually where I first accepted Christ. Um, I was a fifth grader at Oak Harbor Church of Nazarene. And so VBS, I think, is really important um, in spreading God's love and, and reaching out to young people and capturing um, their hearts at a young age. So um, I'd like to ask that you support me in prayer. Um, come along beside me in prayer um, as we are planning and implementing this. Um, areas of need are Bible memory buddies, um, somebody who can sit and listen to the kids as they are sharing their memory verses um, each week. Um, people to help with uh, crafts or snacks, um, small group leaders, activity leaders. Um, there's a lot of behind the scenes, scenes that you can help with as well. So I'm going to be in the foyer after service. And if this is something that um, God is maybe poking at your heart about, um, come and talk to me. So 
Hey, a couple questions, Tanya, because yes, I never have chances to ask you questions except for like on the platform. So oh, yeah. a <laughs> couple right. questions for you. Uh, so it sounds like really all, you're looking for people who love God and can love kids, right? Absolutely. Okay. So I think there's a lot of you who can do that, right? Yep. The second question, like this is coming up this summer. So whether people are thinking VBS or other things, does this mean that people have to cancel all vacations and all plans if they can't commit for the rest of their lives to help in children's ministry? Nope. I'm actually going to be gone one of those weeks because I'm going to kids camp. <laughs> so, yes, it's happening this summer. I'm super excited. So, yeah, I mean, if you can be there half the time or the entire time, um, we, we want you there. So that's so, a great question. So seriously, if, there's, if you have any interest uh, of being, helping, whether it's with VBS or other areas of children's ministry, there really is a place for everyone. And so we'd just encourage you to talk to Tanya. We're so excited about what's happening in our children's ministry and in the lives of our kids. And one thing we all can do is to be praying for our kids. Can you commit to that? And uh, be praying for them and for God to work in their lives. So thank you, Tanya. Thank you. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd invite you to join me. We're going to be in the Gospel of John today, uh, Gospel of John, starting in chapter 3. And I just invite you, if you're, if you're able to this morning, to stand as we read God's Word. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who's come from God. For no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it is not possible to see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asked, how is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter the mother's womb for a second time and be born, isn't it? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born anew. God's Spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. It's the same with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said, how are these things possible? Jesus answered, you are a teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things? I assure you that we speak about what we know and testify about what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the human one. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the human one be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. You know, this is a familiar story, or at least it has a very familiar verse. John 3.16 is probably the most well-known verse anywhere, right? 
For many of us, it was the first verse we, we learned to memorize as we came into this Christian faith. But this verse we find is, is in a part of this story of a man named Nicodemus. You know, Nicodemus is, is a curious person, but he, he's also a cautious person. You know, we know that because he, he comes to Jesus to ask questions, but did you notice when it was he came? He came in the middle of the night. He came when it was dark. He, he came when there was nobody else around to see him because he didn't really want others to see what was going on here. He, he came and, and Nicodemus is, is sort of this deliberate type person. He's trying to like weigh out all of the information and, and make a, a calculated, rational choice with, with no risk. You know, I kind of appreciate that on one hand, but before God called me to pastor, I wanted to be an engineer. You know, I wanted to be an engineer where everything has a place where it belongs, right? I mean, that's just the way that life should be. Everything has a place where it belongs. You know, if you're hanging up a shirt like this, everybody knows how you do it. You, you go left to right, light to dark, and you button number one, four, and seven on all your shirts. It's just... Everybody does it. It's the way it's supposed to be, right? I appreciate order. I appreciate the lack of risk, these calculated choices with things. But I'm, you were laughing at me a moment ago, but I'm not the only one. I mean, now I know there's some of you who if you go to a restaurant, you see the menu as like a small choose-your-own-adventure novel. But there's a lot of you who go to a restaurant and you order the same thing every time, Right? You go to Panda Express, it's Oriental Chicken. I don't even know why they put anything else on the menu. You go to Cafe Rio, and it's either a, a, a pork burrito or a chicken quesadilla. And if you go to Olive Garden, why would you order anything but lasagna? It just doesn't make sense, right? You know, I appreciate some of this ordered nature of Nicodemus, this, this sense of a faith that is predictable, of a faith that makes sense, where where everything kind of has a place where it belongs. That seems to be kind of the way that, that Nicodemus is approaching this. But, you know, in life, if you go to a restaurant and you order the same thing every time, it, it's nice because it's predictable, but you do realize there's a risk in ordering the same thing every time. You risk missing out on something that you could even like better and just don't know it yet. And that's one of the things that we kind of see here with Nicodemus. Nicodemus wanted this, this faith that was predictable, that, that was controlled, that was regulated. He, he wanted this faith that just kind of fit into his life. And sometimes if we're not careful, that's what we long for as well. We, we want a faith that, that fits in neatly into this place in our life, but doesn't ask too much of it, doesn't demand too much of us, doesn't change too much. But the challenge or the risk of a, of a predictable, orderly faith is that we can miss out on some of the fullness of what God wants to do in us. If we settle for a faith where everything is known, where everything is routine, where everything is what we've already experienced, then we can miss out on the growth that God wants to do in our lives. I don't know about you, but that's what I long for. I long for more of God at work in my life. I want to continue to know God and more of God and to let God work in fresh and new ways in me and through me. Amen? You know, this is some of what we see happening here in, in the story of Nicodemus. You know, there's sort of this kind of 
hint that's woven throughout this passage of Scripture that, that is trying to, to help us realize that there is so much more to this spiritual journey. We see it through this, these contrasts. There's, there's light and there's darkness. There's spirit and flesh. There's, there's above and below. There's, there's heaven and earth. There's, there's life and there's death. There's all of these contrasting descriptions that we have here. On the one hand, we, we see this, this life that is described as, as a life without Jesus. And on the other hand, is the kind of life that we can have through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who, who makes these transitions happen. Jesus is the one who brings light into darkness. Jesus is the one who turns death into life. Jesus is the one who, who frees us from the binds of the flesh and enables us to live through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one who, who brings about this, this incredible transformation. And when we know and experience that, that work of God in us through Jesus Christ, then, then our, our lives are, are forever changed. They're forever changed. And this is the, the, the issue that Nicodemus was struggling to realize here. Jesus was talking about being born anew. And, and Nicodemus could only imagine this through what he'd experienced before. And he failed to realize what it is that Jesus was saying to him. That there is this complete, transformation that we can experience, not through something we do, but through the power of God at work in our lives, where our lives can be completely and radically changed. And that's what God wants to do in, in all of our lives. See, there's a difference between those folks who, who live in the world and occasionally show up to church and those who live in Christ and let Christ flow through them wherever they go. And we're called to that ladder. We're called to be people of Christ, who are people who allow Christ to have lordship of every part of our life so that that, that transforming, life-giving power of Jesus is not only at work in us, but works through us for all to see. Amen? You know, I was, I was thinking about some of this this week, and and, and, you know, Nicodemus thought that, well, at first he thought that Jesus was just kind of a, a contemporary, a, a fellow teacher like his. He called him rabbi when he first, entered, or first met him there. And Nicodemus seems to think that really what he needed was some new information. There was something he didn't know, and if he could just kind of acquire this information, that that, that would give him what he really needs. But what Nicodemus needed wasn't new information. He needed a new heart. He needed new life. And that can only come from God. That's not something we accomplish on our own. You know, over the last couple of weeks, uh, my daughter's class at school, and actually our, our preschool classes here at church, they, they, they had caterpillars in a little container. And they watched these caterpillars build their cocoons and then turn into butterflies. You know, it's amazing that process that happens. Here's a caterpillar that doesn't look like much, right? Could be easily confused for something else. And this, this ordinary caterpillar becomes a beautiful butterfly. It's not a bad metaphor for some of the change that God wants to do in us. To transform us from ordinary people into the beauty that comes through the new life of Jesus Christ at work in our lives. 
That's a transformation that, that we don't bring about on our own. It's, it's what God does in us, that, that Jesus radically transforms our lives, that, that this transformation happens in a moment but continues to happen over the course of the rest of our lifetimes. That that transforming, redeeming work, it happens in a moment, but God continues to refine that and work that out throughout the rest of our lives as we follow after him and seek after him. You know, there's an example that's given here in, in the Gospel of John. It, it, it actually is a story from Numbers chapter 21. In Numbers chapter 21, the people of Israel have, have been set free from Egypt. They, they were slaves in Egypt, and God rescued them from slavery, and God led them across the sea, and God led them through the wilderness, and God provided food for them each day for 40 years in the wilderness. By the time we get to Numbers, God has done so many remarkable things to save his people, to provide for his people, to care for his people, just time after time after time. And they're getting ready to go into the land, to go into this land that God has promised them. But, but even though they've seen God's faithfulness in so many ways, the people are a little bit restless. They're a little bit restless, and so they begin to complain. You know, if you're a parent, you've probably heard the question, are we there yet, right? People of Israel are saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? They, they were starting to grumble and complain. As a result of this, something kind of strange happened. There were these poisonous snakes that entered into the camp. And they began to, to bite people. And, and people started dying because of the bites of these snakes. And the people realized, they said, you know, God's saved us. God's provided for us. God's cared for us. And here we were grumbling against God. You know, we've sinned against God. And Moses, we've turned against you. What, what can we do? So God speaks to Moses and God tells Moses to make this bronze snake and, and to put it on a staff and, and to put that staff there in the middle of camp. And whenever somebody was bit by a snake, to come and to look on this bronze snake and that they would be saved, they wouldn't die. That's kind of a strange story, isn't it? I got a question for you. Was it the snake that saved people? No. It was God who saved people through their obedience to what God instructed them to do. Right? You know, in John, we, we see this idea of this snake on a pole that people would turn to. And John reminds us that there was something bigger than that and something more life-giving than that. That Jesus would die on a cross. And that for those who have sin in their lives, which is everyone, that people could turn to him and look to him and be saved and find new life. One of the things we see, though, in this story of, of Numbers is it wasn't just belief. The people didn't have to just believe that God could save them. They had to act on that belief. They had to physically come to this place and do that. That's the way that our faith is worked out. We are called not just to believe in Christ, but to act on that faith. 
to live into that, to lean into that, to, to allow our belief that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus Christ is the one who gives us life, that, that Jesus Christ can transform our lives so that we're a new creation, we're butterflies in a world of caterpillars. You know, we have to live into that. It's not enough to believe that. We have to follow after that with our action, right? You with me here? You know, this story doesn't resolve here in John chapter 3. But if we'd read through the book of John, we'd see Nicodemus later on come back into this story on several other occasions. Nicodemus finds his ways to respond there. You know, the reality for us is wherever we're at in our spiritual journey, whether it's turning to Christ for the first time, or if we've turned to Christ a long, long time ago, is that belief and action go hand in hand, right? Belief and action go hand in hand. And we're a people who've been called to not just receive Christ, but to allow the new life of Christ to so fill us that it flows out of us for others around us to see, to experience, and to hear. You know, my, my question for you and me today is, is where is it that we need that life-giving power of Christ at work within our lives? Where is it where we need to experience the new creation that comes through Jesus Christ? And how can we live our lives in such a way so that the people within our own spheres of influence, the people that we encounter on a regular basis, would come to see that something has happened in us. We're, we're not the person we used to be. It's like we've been born all over again because we've been transformed through this power of God at work in our lives through Jesus Christ. And by God's grace at work within us through the Holy Spirit, may we live into that for all the world to see. Amen? I want to pray with you today. Lord, we, we thank you so much. that you are a God who, who hasn't left us to ourselves. Rather, you're a God who, who came into this world. You sent your son so that we could not just be forgiven for the guilt of our sins, but so that we could be raised up to new life. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to live into the calling to which you've called us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be people of the new creation that comes through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to lean in to your arms of love and mercy and grace. God, I pray that you would help us to believe, but also to act. And Lord, I, I pray that as we act, as we live, that those around us would see you. Lord, I'm just reminded again today of this world in which we live, of the community in which we live, of the many people, God, who need to know your loving and saving and life-transforming grace. And God, today I pray that your prevenient grace would be in, at work in the hearts and lives of those people. But God, I pray that you would also be at work in us, your church, that collectively and individually we would show people of the new life that comes to us 
through your son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, today we humble ourselves before you. We offer ourselves to you for these purposes. We give ourselves to you this day in your name. Amen.